The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph, and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, help our unbelief. Give us strength and courage to trust you not just with the things of this life, but with life itself. Amen. So, this morning's text that we have from Mark, we hear other places as well. But Jesus is going home. He's going home to Nazareth. And everybody knows him there, right? It's not a big town. Everybody knows exactly who he is. You're Mary's son. Kind of curious that he's not referenced as Joseph's son. Kind of a strange quirk in the text. But nonetheless, they know who he is. And your brothers and your sisters who are here, the carpenter, right? We know who you are. And they pushed on him a bit. Because, you know, carpenters are expected to do carpentry. Yeah, exactly. They're not expected to come back and uh, start telling you how to live your life and healing people and that sort of thing. They had been amazed and dumbfounded by all the things that he had done, but not in carpentry. They didn't say, wow, what a great table you had built. In fact, the word for carpenter is kind of strange. It's a broader word than we think of when we think of that term. You would think of all the things that they might have been amazed with him professionally. Jesus would have been about 30 years old 
when he was baptized by John in the River Jordan, kind of inaugurating his ministry. 30. It's old. It's very old. He would have been a carpenter for many, many, many years before that would have happened. But there he is, back in his hometown, sharing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the translators here, fortunately, hopefully, none of them are represented here, uh, do us a, miss, uh, a bad service on one of the words. It says that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief, their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed that they didn't trust him. To me, that feels a little different. When we talk about faith and belief, it kind of gets nebulous, but trust is something that we understand, right? It's kind of we trust that our bank account has a certain balance from one minute to the next, or we trust that when we click our key ring, the car door is going to unlock, or we trust that when we reach out for that doorknob and turn it, it will open the door We trust our doctors. We trust all kinds of things and people and systems in this life. We get that idea of trust. And they did not trust Jesus. Now, I think in some ways we zip rapidly to Easter and we think he's a nice guy. He heals people who are sick. He's nice to children, tells great stories. What's not to like? about Jesus. But we're glossing over a lot of other stories. Stories of him going into the temple and bodily throwing over tables from the money changers and making a whip and flailing them out of that place. Or we think of just the chapters immediately before this one, where Jesus goes home and is preaching and people come and think that he's possessed. His family tries to drag him back into the house. People are saying, Jesus, your family is looking for you. My family? These are my sisters and my brothers. People think he's strange. People think he's strange. And I wonder if the challenge for us today is that on some level, we've domesticated Jesus to the point where he's less strange, perhaps. Or maybe to say it a little differently, he's, he's safe. He's not going to ask us to do things that are uncomfortable for us, that we don't want to do, that aren't maybe putting us first. In the text for today, it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of trust, and he couldn't do a whole lot there. There isn't some sense that he was failing at things. It says he healed a few people. You know, it was a slow day. (laughs) It's kind of what the text suggests. But the image is more strongly that they did not come out to him. They didn't trust that he could change their lives. He didn't trust that they would know that he could make things happen for them. Now, as Lutherans, we start to get a little uncomfortable because that starts to sound less like grace. Last Sunday's text, we heard about the woman who was healed. She approaches Jesus and grabs on 
to the fringe of his cloak and is healed, it sounds like it's a lot on her. That doesn't sound like grace. And in today's text, the implication is in their lack of trust that they didn't come out to him that their lives might be changed. Well, that doesn't sound like grace. Isn't Jesus supposed to be chasing them down into their homes and saying, stand still, I'm trying to save you? I think there's a balance in this grace piece. God has come all the way to us in the body of Christ in a touchable fashion. But we are also called to trust that God can do things in our lives to bring us closer to God's sense of life. That's where we are called to respond. Before my senior year of college, there was a group of us that were looking at attending seminary. We decided we would make a Midwest road trip and uh, classic Lutheran experience. I don't know how Midwest road trip. I don't know how broad a, a appeal that has necessarily. But we piled into the car and we drove to all kinds of places, St. Louis, Fort Wayne, where I had grandparents in both places for those of you who know there are LCMS seminaries there, kind of curious that I have grandparents there. Um, we went to Columbus, Ohio, where I ended up going to seminary. But one piece that I remember from the first leg of our trip is we were driving, as young college students tend to do, straight through. Stop number one from Thousand Oaks was St. Louis. <laughs> we stopped in the middle of the desert to get gas at a place called Crazy Fred's. I loved it. It was this great, you know, kind of classic stop where you pull off the, the highway and there it was, the only place in that stretch of the drive where it says, you know, next to gas, 348 miles or whatever. And you get off and it was the only gas station there, several pumps, 800 different kinds of beef jerky, you know the kind of place that I'm talking about. Crazy Fred's. But guess what? We needed what Crazy Fred had. We needed gas, or we were not going anywhere. Now, if I hadn't been paying attention to the gas gauge, if I hadn't felt that, you know, we can't just drive 2,000 miles in one hit without stopping, we might have gone past Crazy Fred's place as not the kind of place we would stop. But it turned out it was exactly the kind of place that we needed to stop. In this life, I think we present ourselves with the illusion that we don't need to ever stop for gas, that we can just drive forever and there will be never a bump, a flat tire, an empty tank, a road closed. And if we ever had to stop somewhere, it wouldn't be at Crazy Fred's. It would be at some place nicer than that, something that's more our scale. I think we often go through life like that, but usually several times a day, and if not several times a day, several times a week or month, we often get rudely reminded that we often have to stop. And someone has to help us. Now, in the story, 
that we have in the gospel text. Jesus is the one that we turn to when we wake up and realize that we are in need of assistance. It's where we get our fuel to continue in this life's journey, knowing that it's not easy. But again, I think the challenge is is that it can be left in such a way that it's all just about us. Forgetting the sense that we're going somewhere. Or to say it differently, that we have been sent somewhere. The second half of the Gospel text, we hear Jesus sending the disciples on their mission. And there was a curious reference in one of the commentaries that I was reading talking about how we are called, how God has created us to go out. Kind of making the correlation on this road trip to that of an SUV. Maybe that's not what Jesus would call us to drive. Maybe it would be, I don't know. But how often in this life do the SUVs that we pile into go to the mall, go to the yoga center, go to the grocery store, rarely anywhere that would be in danger of requiring the tires to be cleaned, let alone doing what it was designed to do. When we are on this life's journey that God has created us for, that the Holy Spirit in baptism has called and sent us, it's on these journeys that we break down It's on these journeys towards others and not towards ourselves when we need to be filled up by God in ways that allow us to continue the journey, not simply stop at these lonely outposts forever. So I think the last image I'd like to leave you with is that of the space that we're in. In a church, often we're reminded of a ship, many designed even to look like the hull of a ship. We walk in through the waters of baptism, but we walk out just as importantly. And so on the weekends, when we come perhaps to visit Crazy Fred's, where we might get spiritually renewed and energized for going back out, that we might bring the good news of hope and healing to those that we run into during the week. Amen.